life is not about how long you live with somebody or how long you have somebody in your life, but it's about the amount of memories and moments you create because that's what life is all about. You don't remember your whole entire life. You remember moments of your life. So you got to try to create as many memorable and positive moments as possible with the ones that you love and care about. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 174 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am so excited to be bringing you my conversation with Devin Still. He is a former NFL player. He's also an author, a speaker, a co-host of the Relationships podcast that he has with his wife, and someone that I have been hoping to have the opportunity to chat with for some time now. Devin's story is one of perseverance and a lot of really hard times. Back in 2014, Devin was living out his dream of playing football on the pro level when he got the frightening news that his daughter Leah was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma and given a 50-50 chance to survive. In today's episode, he talks me through that journey and what it was like for him to feel absolutely helpless at her bedside, how the days felt like they lasted forever, but also took no time at all, that the first week in the hospital, it felt like an eternity. He talks to me about what he learned about the importance of vulnerability and the difficult decisions he had to make at times to leave his daughter's bedside so that he could play and keep health insurance to pay for her treatment. Silver lining to this story, Leah is now six years cancer free, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity just to learn a little bit about what they went through and share that with all of you. Now, this opportunity came across my way because Devin recently partnered with United Therapeutics to launch a new educational initiative called Braving Neuroblastoma. It shines a light on this particular childhood cancer that many don't know much about. This episode is a bit shorter than your usual Monday listen, but like I said, so many unbelievable takeaways in here, so much perspective that I know I needed to hear and I have no doubts is going to help you keep pushing through the hurdles that are coming your way. (laughs) Listening back to this episode, I'm pretty sure I said the word wow at least mm, maybe 22 times. Make sure you're following along over on social at Hurdle Podcast. I am also over at Emily Abadi. This is the last week of episodes as part of season six. Hurdle will be taking a one week break and coming back in a big way on September 13th with a guest that you all have been asking me for 
to have on the show <laughs> for a long, long time now. If you haven't done so yet, do me a solid. Make sure to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Give it five stars. Tell the world why you keep coming back week after week. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Devin Still. He's a pro athlete. He's an entrepreneur. He's a motivational speaker. You have a podcast now. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be sat down here with you with you today. Something I didn't say in that intro just now, you're also an advocate for childhood cancer awareness after dealing with your own battle within your family when it comes to your daughter. So why don't we kick off and Talk to me a little bit about what it means to you today to be an advocate when it comes to childhood cancer awareness. It means a lot to me and my family because what I really think it does is it gives us purpose to our pain. Like me and my family, we had to endure a lot of pain when Leah was first diagnosed. But to look back and see the platform that we have created to help other families who are going through their battle with cancer, um, it's amazing to be able to garnish these type of partnerships where we can give uh, families resources to overcome their battle with neuroblastoma. It means a lot to us. And I know that this happened for you in 2014. And, right. and when it happened, you returned to the football field on the, about, on the back of your jersey wearing the message, don't be scared, be strong. So yeah. talk to me about that message and what that message really means to you. Just to get people to understand that we don't always control what life throws at us, but we can control our attitude towards whatever obstacles that we're, we're going through. And I know initially when Leah was first diagnosed with cancer, I was scared. When I heard the word cancer, all I thought about was death. I thought about what my life would be like without Leah. But I think true strength is understanding that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to experience those moments. And allow yourself to have weak moments, but you don't allow those weak moments to turn into a weak mindset. And you decide to pick yourself up off the floor and continue to push forward. So let's go back into a little bit of context and talk me through what your life was like before cancer became a word that was in your regular vocabulary. Yeah, so I, I was living out my dream of playing in the NFL. Since I was 13, I had dreams of playing in the NFL. And I worked extremely hard and overcame a lot of obstacles in order to make it to the NFL. And never did I think that once I got there and I was living out my dreams that my family would be hit with something like this. But, you know, cancer is it knows no race. It knows no gender like anybody. It doesn't care about your socioeconomic status like anybody can be impacted by cancer. And that's what Leah's battle with cancer taught me. So I just try to be responsible with the platform that I have now to not make it all about me and my family, but to let people know what it's like for families in general who are battling childhood cancer, specifically neuroblastoma. Where were you when you found out that something was off with your daughter? Um, I was in Delaware. I had flew back from Cincinnati uh, during our off-season workouts because Leah was having a dance recital um, that night. It was Monday night, June 2nd, and I had put her into a dance class and gymnastics that off-season, and she was finally about to show us all the hard work that she had put in over the past couple of months. But that morning on June 2nd, she woke up and she wasn't feeling well. She was running a fever. She wasn't eating. So I ended up taking her to the emergency room and then they sent us to a children's hospital and that's when they broke the news to us. Wow. Wow. I can't even 
try to fathom what that ride to the emergency room must have been like for you at the onset of this. What kind of sy- symptoms was she experiencing? Yeah, so initially the the drive to the emergency room wasn't bad because I had no idea what was going to happen once we got there. So she was running a fever and she was very lethargic and she wasn't eating any of her food. So I'm thinking that she may have something like an ear infection or something, right? Like I'm trying to take her to the the doctors with the hopes that, you know, it's an ear infection. They can give her some type of medicine to make her feel better so she can go and do her dance recital because I know how much she was looking forward to this moment. Um, so at the first uh, emergency room we went to, they took her blood, they ran some tests on her, and they didn't see anything wrong with her. And then I started to tell her about hip pain that she had been uh, experiencing. And I thought it came from being in gymnastics class, falling off the balance beam. So they touched her hip and she jumped from them. And they initially thought that she just had an infection in her hip socket, which sometimes happens to kids who are growing too fast. And since I'm not the smallest guy in the rooms, in most rooms that I go in, I thought that my daughter must be just getting my size or getting my height. So I didn't think anything of it. So when they sent us to a children's hospital that was literally five minutes down the road, they also ran some tests on her. Um, They came in and told us that they think that it can be 10 different things. And the last thing they said was cancer. And I didn't pay it any mind because I'm like, if it's that great of a chance of being cancer, it'll be higher up on the list. Sure enough, they did an ultrasound of her abdomen where she was having the pain and they saw the mass in her abdomen. They ran CAT scans and MRIs and they found out that it was stage four neuroblastoma. Wow. Wow. Do you have any history of of cancer in your family? First person in my family that I ever know had cancer. Oh my gosh. And I mean, it's hard enough. It's hard at any age, right, to find out about this. But for you as a father to hear this about your daughter, I would imagine that you probably felt pretty helpless. Man, I I remember when the doctor first came out the room, because after a while, I've been, been playing football since I was 13. I've had a lot of injuries, had a lot of MRIs, CAT scans. I know how long they're supposed to take. So when we were sitting in the, the lobby and we was in access of an hour and 30 minutes, two hours, I prepared myself mentally. So I thought to hear the doctors come and tell me that Leah had cancer. But when the doctor said that, it like the words hit me different when I actually heard it come out of her mouth. And I remember her telling me that she was going to go to the lobby to tell my parents what they had just found out. And I was like, no, 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 no. If they're going to hear something like this, it has to come from somebody that they love and care about. And I remember going to the room and I tried to open up my mouth to say it. And I couldn't. I just fell down to the ground and I just started crying. And I remember my dad like running over to me and rubbing my back, asking me what was wrong. And I just blurted out the words cancer and they just knew. Oh, my God, the chills. It's it's so interesting what you just said about uh, preparing yourself to hear the worst. And that's (laughs) such an interesting approach. Right. Because I do think that uh, someone said to me once, if you don't have a plan B, then you don't have a plan. And -hmm. I think this is a similar scenario. Right. I mean, obviously dealing with such awful news, such an awful thing to prepare yourself for. But had you always been that way of trying to really like think of all different aspects of a situation to prepare yourself like that? Yeah, I think that, you know, just my football background, me going through, you know, different injuries throughout my years of trying to make it to the NFL helped me to see that you have to be flexible in your mindset and, you know, the goals and stuff that you have. So when I realized that my life was going to go for uh, a huge change, a huge pivot, when Leah's 
um, MRIs and CAT scans was taking so long. That was something I tried to do in order to prepare myself for it. But I don't think you can ever prepare yourself for a doctor telling you that your child has cancer. Definitely not. So walk us through then what happens over the next couple months, year. The the first week feels like the first couple months. <laughs> the first week in the hospital feels like you've been in there forever because you're just trying to get acclimated to the new environment that you're in now. Like you're trying to catch up um, on as much information about childhood cancer, about neuroblastoma, about different treatment options. That is just like a whirlwind is thrown at you and you feel like you've been in the hospital forever. But after the initial shock wears off, you have to make that decision on, you know, what kind of treatments that you're going to give your child. And when you're just thrown into this type of battle, you don't really know. You don't have the answers. And I didn't feel like during my time that there were a lot of resources out there to help me navigate. So I learned a lot on Google and you see a lot of scary stuff on Google that it, it just messes with you mentally. Now, I will always say in my in my interviews that I wish that they would have had a playbook on how to deal with neuroblastoma, how to deal with childhood cancer. But it wasn't there. So when I heard about United Therapeutics and I heard about their book series and Zara takes off and I had a chance to read it. It was like, man, there's finally a playbook for this. Like when I read it, I felt like it was the story of Leah and my family going through the battle. And I was like, this is exactly what families who are battling neuroblastoma need. Right. And what you're talking about here is uh, the new launch of Braving Neuroblastoma, which is an educational initiative to support and provide these comprehensive resources to families impacted by what drastically impacted your family. I mean, obviously no better opportunity or partnership for you guys after what you've been through. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like I said, we we tell people all the time, Leah's six years cancer-free at the moment. And just because her battle with cancer is over, doesn't mean that the battle against childhood cancer is over. So whenever we can find partnerships to really help advance the fight against childhood cancer, the fight against neuroblastoma, we jump on it. And United Therapeutics provided us that opportunity with Brave and Neuroblastoma. You mentioned a buzzword before that I think is really beautiful. And that buzzword is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. What has this experience with your daughter taught you about the importance of vulnerability? Vulnerability is true strength. I think during sports, I learned the opposite, that you don't allow people to see your weakness, that if you get hurt, you just jump right back up and you continue to move. And I, in the beginning, I took that approach with my daughter's battle with cancer. It's like, all right, Devin, you're the man of the house. You got to be the rock of the family. Like even in the times where you're hurting, where you stressed out, you can't show it because you have to give your family that confidence that we're going to make it through that. And I thought I was doing the right thing. Um, but when I was writing my book and I was sitting down and I was talking to Leah with my co-author, I started to tell him about that experiences that I would have where Leah was in Philadelphia. I would be in Cincinnati and I would FaceTime her. And all I really wanted to do was to like hug her and kiss her because she would be hooked up to machines. She would be getting chemo. Her hair would be falling out. And I was 500 miles away trying to get the insurance to pay for her treatment. So I couldn't be there every single day like I wanted to be. So instead of me crying on the phone, I would wait till we got off the phone and I would start crying. And when I was telling this story, Leah looked at me and was like, Dad, I was doing the same thing. Like I would try to hold it together on FaceTime for you and be strong. But I wanted you to be there so bad. So when we would hang up the phone, I would go into the bathroom inside of 
the, the hospital room and I would just break down and cry. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had, I should have been more vulnerable during that time because it would have gave her permission to open up and share some of the feelings that she was going experiencing. What a warrior you were raising. Uh, You mentioned here uh, being over in Cincinnati and having to be in Cincinnati instead of right next to your baby girl because of the fact that you needed to have this health insurance and work and provide for your family. I mean, I cannot even imagine the internal struggle that goes hand in hand with not being physically present there, but knowing that you were doing the right thing. Yeah, it's tough. And so many families have to make that decision where you have to leave your child's bedside in order to go back to work so that you can keep the things going in the house so you can have a home to go home to when you're not in the hospital battling cancer. So it's a, it's a tough decision, but I, I'm just thankful that there's a lot of resources out there now that can help families get through that journey of, of braving neuroblastoma. And it's not even just on that note of vulnerability, uh, the takeaway of being vulnerable with Leah during that time. I'm so sure since going public and speaking about your journey, which obviously here has a very happy through line, as you said, she's been six years cancer free now. Uh, For you, this vulnerability extends to how you carry yourself today and the conversations that you're having, right? I mean, has there been an instance or a circumstance, I'm sure so many, that this vulnerability has come back to you in such a beautiful and rewarding way? Yeah. So I would say about a couple of weeks ago, I I wrote something on Instagram. I had made a comment under a post. and I was, I think I was talking about the struggles that I went through when Leah was battling cancer. And I had a dad comment under my comment and say, man, I know what you, you're going through because my child, my daughter just got diagnosed last week. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, send me your number uh, in my DM so I can reach out to you and just be of assistance to you. So he sent me the number and I got on the phone with him. He's like, I, I never thought that you would actually call me. And I'm like, man, the platform that I have or the verification check mark that I have, that, it really doesn't mean anything. Like I'm calling you as another dad who understands what it's like to feel hopeless and helpless when your daughter is battling cancer. And I just want to give you some insight of what I experienced in case it may help you along your journey. So me being able to be vulnerable um, on that phone call with another man, when we're taught to be so strong, especially around other men, think really helped him out on that phone call and doing his journey with his daughter battling cancer. Talk to me about, uh, I guess at that point, what was the finish line? Obviously I feel like you, you cross a couple of finish lines in a battle like this, but mm-hmm. when did the news start to really start looking up for your family? Interesting. It was about two months after the news looked very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I had put Leah in two clinical trials during her battle with cancer. The first one, it didn't work. We ended up getting scans done and found out that the the cancer had spread all over her body. That initially mm. was just in her hip and then it had spread to her, her chest, her arms, her neck, and it was even in her skull. And if there was ever a time where I thought I was going to lose my daughter, it was during that moment. Um, but I've been taught in football that you got to fight for four quarters, that you don't give up no matter how tired you are, no matter how much pain you're in. It doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. You got to give it everything you have for four quarters. So that's exactly what we did. We put her into another clinical trial. Two months later, she was in complete remission. So it it just came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere because I thought we were headed for an extremely dark time. Wow. 
obviously so important for her, for you to be on the other side of that phone or when you could be with her. When it came for you and what you needed in your support network, where were you looking to for that support? I didn't have to look too far, to be honest with you. First, it started within my household with my wife, um, who was my backbone during that time. Because trying to, you know, balance football, trying to understand what was happening with my life, what my daughter was going through, it was tough. But she was there to really speak life into me during the times where I, I felt hopeless. Um, from, you know, the football fans, the supporters in Cincinnati, to the supporters around the league, to the supporters around the world. I really didn't have to look far. Uh, my family really stepped up for me during that time. And now it's my job to pay that forward to other families who are still battling neuroblastoma or any form of childhood cancer. How have you been able to really reinvent yourself after, I would say, this chapter and also after football? I mean, life mm -hmm. has definitely, definitely taken some turns for you, many of which that you did not in the least right. expect. Right. One of the things that really helped me make that pivot or make that transition is just learning to recycle my pain and, and use it for greatness, to use it for purpose, to use it for impact. Because we had to go through a lot, not just with Leah's battle with cancer, but from injuries. Like I faced a lot of crazy things in my life. And definitely Leah's battle with cancer was one of the toughest things. But just trying to understand why we went through that, trying to find the purpose in our struggle and in our pain, and use it to make an impact on other people's lives have helped me turn that page in, in my life because it's hard. When you've dedicated yourself for something for 13 years, it's hard to walk away when you don't get the outcome that you wanted to have. But realizing that if you're still alive, if you still have breath in your body, you're still in the game has helped me, you know, chase after that second phase of my life. It's interesting because I think a lot of individuals have a hard time getting to where you're at, right? Like mm -hmm. they're in the struggle and they don't know how to seek out that silver lining or maybe in the moment they're just having a hard time doing so. What do you say to those people? You know what's interesting about that is that when, Leah's, when Leah was going through her battle with cancer, obviously I grew a large platform and a lot of people reach out to me for inspiration and motivation to help them get through the tough times. But a lot of people still struggle because you know that motivation is fickle. It may last a day, it may last a week, it may last a month, but at some point the, the motivation will die out and you will really have to find your reason why. Like why, what is your purpose in life? Like why do you continue to get up no matter how many times life knocks you down? And a lot of people struggle to find that question. So one thing that I decided to do this year, which was, was a crazy idea, but I did it anyway, is I, I'm going back to school now to get my master's at the University of Pennsylvania in applied positive psychology so that I can really get a, a theoretical understanding of human flourishing. Like how do humans overcome tough times that they are dealing with in their life so that I can take the practical knowledge and the experience that I went through overcoming adversity and combine that with the theoretical research and create a type of framework to really help people flourish in life despite the adversities they face. Wow. First of all, that's dope. Also, I just got like excited for you at the idea of like buying school supplies again. <laughs> <laughs> I just so I just did some last minute school supply shopping with Leah 
yesterday and I'm in there picking up my school supplies too. Oh and it was God. just crazy. Like you're 11 going to middle school. I'm 32 about to go back to school again. It, it was a crazy experience. I swear every year going back to school, my father and I would reenact <laughs> that scene in like the Staples commercial where the yeah. dad is on the cart and he's just like going through the aisles and yeah. <laughs> Oh, totally. The best times. The best times. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's so great to hear that you've been able to turn your struggles into an inspiration for so many. You do a fair amount of motivational speaking. When Mm -hmm. I ask you if there was a certain um, perhaps experience or in-person moment that you've had over the past handful of years where you were motivational speaking, you were connecting with individuals and someone came up to you. Does anything ring a bell? Does anything come to a highlight for you? Yeah. And this was early on um, in Leah's diagnosis. This actually happened in Cincinnati. I don't remember the venue was I was at, but I was there speaking um, and sharing about our, our journey with cancer. And there was this mom who walked up to me and she gave me the biggest hug that anybody outside of my family has ever gave me before. Like the type of hug where they're like squeezing you close and I could hear her crying in my ear. And when she backed up from the hug, she looked at me and she said, thank you. And I was like, thank you for what? And she was like, when I heard one of your interviews and I heard you talk about the symptoms that your daughter was experiencing, I realized that my daughter was experiencing those same symptoms. So I ended up taking her to the hospital and she got diagnosed with neuroblastoma. But what I'm thanking you for is for opening up and sharing that because if you never did, I would have never understood what my daughter was going through. So I wouldn't have had the chance to put her in treatment to try to save her life. And when she said that to me, it hit home for me that what we were going through wasn't even about us. It was about using our platform to really shed light on something that needs to be talked about, that needs to be spotlighted more. So when I heard that story from her, I knew that we were on the right path and I was going to continue to use my platform to shed light on neuroblastoma and childhood cancer. Just wow. Wow. I mean, today someone goes to your social media page, they see a professional athlete, a motivational speaker, someone with nearly 600,000 followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? A proud dad. That's all I see. Like That's what I want to spend my life doing is just showing people the importance of creating memories and moments with your family members. Like All the other accolades is cool, the professional accolades are cool, but what are we really here for, right? And and I realized that when Leah was battling cancer, when I thought that my time may be cut short with her, that life is not about how long you live with somebody or how long you have somebody in your life, but it's about the amount of memories and moments you create because that's what life is all about. You don't remember your whole entire life. You remember moments of your life. So you got to try to create as many Um, memorable and positive moments as possible with the ones that you love and care about. Aside from going back to school, what else excites you right now? Right now, what excites me the most is this partnership. Because like (laughs) I said, what United Therapeutics and Brave and Neuroblastoma, I'm excited to know that there's more resources for families to continue to fight against childhood cancer, to continue to overcome this huge hurdle that they're facing in their life. So being able to use my platform to spotlight this and everything that it will do to help our families in the battle with neuroblastoma is huge for us. 
right now, Devin, you have an opportunity to offer the guy who is that first week in the hospital getting bad news after bad news after bad news, going through the most unexpected hurdle moment that he could probably ever go through with his daughter. Hmm. What do you tell him right now? Um, that I, I understand that every family's experience with neuroblastoma or with childhood cancer is different, but I can empathize with what you're going through. Because a lot of times as, as men, we're taught to be the protector of our family and our children. And when your child is battling something like cancer or neuroblastoma, you feel like you failed as a man and as a father because you can't protect them for what they're going through but I need them to understand that your presence alone will bring healing to your family. For your baby girl, your, your son, you being there to let them know that they don't have to go through this battle with cancer alone is the best thing that you can do for them. You taking care of yourself mentally and physically is the best thing that you can do for them because you can't show up for somebody if you're drained yourself. And to be able to use the resources that are available for you, don't allow your pride to get in your way to receiving help because you can't make it through this battle with cancer alone. There's no possible way. So accept the help that people offer you. Reach out, ask for resources, visit bravenoroblastoma.com so you can get an understanding of what your family is about to go through so that you can better prepare yourself for the journey. I love that sentiment, not to blame yourself. Really, really beautiful takeaways today. I'm so grateful for your time, Devin. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you and Leah? Give us all the details. Yeah, so the best way to keep up with me and my family is on Instagram. My name on there is still in the game, or you can visit my website, devinstill.com. Beautiful. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Avati. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>